welcome back to the Poetry Club. And to those of you who did not hear the last episode and those of you who are just tuning in for the second episode and coming back, thank you guys for listening. First of all, I really, really, really appreciate you taking your time out of your day to listen to my voice. And when I set out to do a podcast, honestly, I was very reluctant because everybody, for one, has a podcast. And I just think it's ridiculous that um, even though I'm actually doing a podcast, I <laughs> something in me still feels very um, like self-centered at the fact that I would be talking for minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes on end and someone is riding in their car listening to me talk about sometimes nothing like I just the the concept of podcasting still blows my mind a bit so I just want to say thank you for listening I don't know if you're washing dishes or if you are at work or if you are on your way to work or if you are Um, on a plane ride or on a car ride, just listening to my voice, I really want to say thank you because you don't have to do that. And, you know, even me, I was super reluctant at doing a podcast because I was like, if I do it, it has to be worth it to the listener. It has to be something that is going to add to people's life um, and something that I deem beneficial to other people. And, um this is what I consider orientation. This episode, usually it's the first episode that's orientation, but like, you know, it was the holidays and I really felt like that was an opportunity to hone in on the concept of uh, family and broken families and how I process my own broken family by allowing you into you know, the life of someone that I consider to be my best friend from the womb. Um, And that is my older sister. And so I really hope you enjoyed that episode. But now it's time for what would have been the introductory episode, which is what I consider to be orientation. Okay, so this whole setup of me introducing the poetry club, I've been asking you to make sure that you fill out your application, make sure that you get your hall pass filled out. Okay. Make sure that if you are, if you are leaving eighth period class to participate in a poetry club, you need to make sure that you get your instructor, your teacher, whether you're in Spanish class, whether you're in AP history, AP lit at that time, make sure that you get your professor or teacher to sign the dotted line so that I can sign a line so that you can have a a hall pass so that you don't got to get in school suspension for skipping class, okay? So I did that whole setup and I thought that it was fun and it was super um, just reminiscent of those times because of what the Poetry Club means to me and what it continues to mean to me. Um, When I was in high school, I was introduced to the idea of slam poetry. Um, Before high school, I had no idea about uh, Brave New Voices. I had no idea about, um, uh, well, I think I did see uh, Russell Simmons' Deaf Poetry Jam episode, but it wasn't like the forefront of my mind, if that makes sense. It wasn't like something that I was trying to do or be. It wasn't until I got to high school and I wrote a poem for an assignment and long story short, Wick McGowan, shout out to Wick McGowan, (laughs) 
got a hold of the poem and he recruited me for the team. But in in high school, like, you know, those are formative years. And in high school, I was the awkward loner girl, okay? The only thing probably attractive about me was the fact that I had this um, long hair and this guy, I forgot his name, he used to call me Pocahontas because <laughs> I was like, like, that was the only thing about me that made other people like interested in me is like, how'd you get this long hair? Like, you know, yeah, that's another story. But um, I had this long hair and that was the only thing that really like attracted me to other people. But outside of that, I was an awkward loner girl and I hung out with the nerds and I hung out with the people that um, other people didn't want to I hung out with the people that other people didn't want to really affiliate with or that were called weird, the people who drew anime all day in class or the science geeks or the math nerds. Like, you know, I had late puberty. I started puberty very late, okay, late in the game. And I used to sweat profusely. I used to sweat whenever I was nervous which was all the time I was sweating through my clothes to the point that I had to get clinical deodorant because <laughs> I was I just went through puberty late and I was on the drill team but I couldn't dance and I was in the musicals but I couldn't sing or act and I was a valedictorian, but I really wasn't that smart. I was on homecoming court, but I was not popular. I just happened to know people who somehow saw some kind of potential in me. And for whatever reason, pushed me to do great things. But the issue was, is that I didn't have the mental fortitude to see the potential in myself until I found poetry and I'm continuing to find myself through poetry and so the poetry club changed my life it was life-changing and those two years of my life my junior and senior year you know when we talk about great poets and I say this with no exaggeration Shamika Moore Taylor Price Keisha those are some of the greatest poets in our nation. And I know you're thinking, bitch, stop. <laughs> okay, you're doing too much. Dead ass. Google. Google these people. <laughs> My little high school in Columbus, Ohio, Eastmore Academy High School. The moment where I fell in love with poetry, when I learned myself, I was in the presence of greatness. But I myself, I can't really say that I was great you know from there I moved on to Ohio State University and I continued to do poetry and I continued to be in those crowds where I'm like you know surrounded by really great people and right now I'm just successful by affiliation and I eventually moved to Chicago where I was able to connect with another group of <laughs> freaking <laughs> amazing writers somehow I have no idea how that even happened but they were in our 
inspiring, incredibly inspiring, incredibly fucking talented people. I don't even have to say names because just use your imagination and that's who they are. And it's like, I found myself again having the opportunity where someone whom I think is incredible sees some kind of potential in me that I really don't see in myself and I don't have the mental fortitude to cultivate because I don't uh, see the potential. And it took me a lot of time to recognize that that's what was going on. So here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much someone believes in you. It doesn't matter what they see in you. You have to see it for yourself. Otherwise, you're going to grow to resent that person or those people, anybody, a teacher, a pastor, a mentor, a friend who's trying to help you. They're seeing their view, their understanding of what potential looks like in your life. But if you can't see it, you're going to get frustrated. Okay. And I think that's what happened. It's like, you know, my whole life, there were these amazing people who were pouring into me and trying to help me. And the reality is I had to help myself and I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't have the foundation, the strength, the the backing, the belief in self, the confidence, the courage. Though I appear courageous, I appear strong inside, I was not. And it wasn't through another person. It wasn't through um, a million prayers it wasn't through a friend it was just something inside of me that changed and poetry that journey of finding poetry and poetry finding me the power of words to transform someone's life to touch a part of you that you did not know was missing that to me is valuable that to me was transformative and life-changing and healing and those moments in high school at our poetry team meetings those moments changed my life and I say that with no exaggeration and I can be dramatic but this is not a dramatic statement Wick McGowan Seth Harms Bruce Green changed my life and continue to be a large part of my growth and development through the arts. And so do you have to be a poet to be a part of the poetry club? The answer is no. (laughs) You don't have to be a poet. You don't have to write poetry. You don't have to do anything, anything like that. You don't have to be artsy. All you have to do is just be a regular person who's trying to find their way as we all are. This is not a place for pretending. This is not a place for trying to cap like we have it all together. This is not the place for that. That's why I said only humans, only average run-of-the-mill people like me, okay, who work for a living, okay, this is who this is for. This is for people who are trying to find their way, who are searching 
for themselves and on that journey and okay with being on that journey. Um, you know, I feel like life is a lot like, uh, life is a lot like that cafeteria, high school cafeteria, or really (laughs) high school and middle school, really, where it's like, you're trying to figure out what table do I sit at? I've got this lunch that is disgusting, okay? But back then, uh, the pizza was, like, heavily coveted, that little pepperoni pizza with the diced pepperonis. Sometimes it was circular. Sometimes it was, like, a square. (laughs) Sometimes it came in a bag, and sometimes the teacher would cut it, like, if it was the Fiesta pizza, like, the (laughs) taco-inspired pizza. And sometimes the cafeteria lady would cut it. You know, that was coveted. And uh, what else was a coveted lunch? Um, man, the the breakfast, if you got to school in time for breakfast, the uh, hot peanut butter and jelly graham cracker sandwiches was coveted, okay? <laughs> the chocolate milk and uh, Pop-Tarts, of course. Gosh, and then the honey buns. You get a hot honey bun. That was coveted for breakfast. And then if you were a latchkey kid in elementary school, you know, sometimes they had the really cool fruit roll-ups. They had all the good snacks. But still, once you got your snack or your lunch, and if you could afford lunch or if you were on free lunch like how I was, and then my mom got a good job, then I was on reduced lunch, but I still couldn't afford lunch. (laughs) But after you get your tray table, the most the greatest moment of exposure is when you turn and you have to decide what table am I sitting at? Is there even a table for me? Am I even going to bother trying to find a table? I've got my friends. My friends all seem to have a table, but do I fit where they're going? Because even though they're my friend, there there may not be enough spaces at the table for me they have already got their shit figured out so I may have to go to a different table or I may say fuck it I'm going to I'm not not going to sit at a table I'm going to go (laughs) in the guidance counselor's office shout out to Mr. Green (laughs) and sit there every every day every day for lunch or I'm going to skip lunch I'm not hungry even though I am hungry but I just don't want to have to face the fact that I have nobody to sit with at lunch and I'm going to go volunteer or I'm going to pick up some chores or I'm going to work in the principal's office or I'm going to go visit a friend or a sibling and for those people who had cars who the like super cool kids and some of the nerdy kids who had money if you had a car, you could just go to a fast food restaurant and hit up Wendy's and all that kind of stuff. But you had to be an upperclassman to do that. If you're not an upperclassman, you can't leave a high school for lunch. So I was that kid that I found that I really didn't have a table to sit at. I didn't really have enemies, maybe a couple bullies. A couple guys would pick on me, you know, every now and then. But, you know, I had to prove myself show them not to fuck with me and then they would stop picking with me but I I didn't really have um a table 
So I hung out in the guidance counselor's office and he would buy me lunch every now and then. Shout out to Mr. Green. <laughs> he would take me to lunch. And that's how I started to, he took me under his wings. He saw something, but I think also he saw that I just didn't have real friends like that. I have friends, but you know, like I, I didn't have a place. And I use that long drawn out metaphor to say that life is a lot like that moment where, okay, you get your job, you get a nice job, okay? You got benefits, okay? If you get sick, you you got some kind of protection, okay? This is America. I live in America. Really, benefits ain't shit. But it's something, okay? I'm not going to shit on it. It's, it's something. You, you got a nice job, okay? You got a 401k pension plan. You got... Uh, what is it? The IRA, the HSA, you got you got a uh, beneficiary set up. You got all kinds of shit, all right? You are an adult, all right? You're an adult. You got your shit together. You got your ducks in a row, all right? You got the job. Then you move into a nice apartment, okay? A luxury, quote, unquote, luxury apartment or a house. If you got a house, you really got your shit together. Get your house. And you got your car, you got your insurance for your car, you got your insurance for your house or your apartment, you're paying your fucking bills, you got your shit together, you can take care of yourself. But after all that, after you graduated high school, college, for some people, masters, for some people, they're graduate, they're, what are, not graduate, the PhD and shit. Okay, you got all your qualifications, but you still have to turn around and figure out where do I fit? What table am I sitting at? Who the fuck am I? Who am I? Who am I? Because I'm not my diploma. I'm not my, I'm not my job. I'm not my career. I try to be, but I'm not. There's still somebody down, down within my soul that I have to discover that person. I have to find a place for that person. And I think, and I'm realizing that this is an everlasting journey. There's no destination. Like, it's an everlasting journey. And I realize sometimes, and just continuing on with this metaphor, so follow with me here. And sometimes you're going to be at the cool kids' table. Sometimes you're going to be at the nerd kids' table. Sometimes you're going to be with the jocks. Sometimes you're going to be with the cheerleaders. Sometimes you're going to be with the drill team. Sometimes you're going to be at the chess club. And sometimes you're not going to have a table. Sometimes you're going to create your own fucking table. And sometimes you're going to see side, fuck this. I don't even want to eat here. I don't even want to eat here. I want to go to McDonald's, bitch. <laughs> I want to go to Wendy's 545. Because when I was in high school, was, was I in high school when 545 came out? Or that may have been college, but 545? What? Yeah, I was I was out of I was out of college, but still, you know, and the one thing that remains the same through all this, the one thing that remains the thing remains the same is the thing that we fall back on for comfort in the midst of trying to figure out our raging, ever-changing identities as humans. And that is the poetry. The poetry never changes. The poetry changes us. 
it moves us, it shapes us, it, it makes us who we are and it begs us to leave, it begs us to stay. And the poets, the poets, some of them are from ages ago, okay? Some of them are from decades ago. Some of them are people that you know. You stand, you stand amongst them. That's the beauty of poetry is that anybody can be a poet. Your life is poetry and somebody's reading it and moved by it. <laughs> and that is beautiful. So when I say welcome to the club, members only, you're a member as long as you're a living, breathing human. You're a member but all that celebrity shit, we don't do that here, okay? <laughs> that celebrity shit, that capping, that trying to pretend like, you know, we don't, we don't do that. This is our safe place. This is our place to be honest, to be free, because that's how you transform. Um, and everyone is welcome, okay? And, and only if you, you know, remain under those, under those requirements. And so I, f I hope that as you listen to this podcast that um, it helps you with your journey and it helps you understand and gain the mental fortitude and the strength to move on in this life as humans. Um, trying to figure out what it means to be a human on this earth at this point in time, in this day and age, okay, with this set of shit that we have to fucking deal with. <laughs> You know, this podcast is about being human and navigating through all the things that come with trying to understand our humanity. Me specifically, because I'm the host, okay? My name is Jamaica West. I'm trying to figure this shit out. And sometimes I feel like I have it, and other times I don't. And so... The life, like I said before, the life, the living, that is the poetry. That's what binds us together. That's what makes us connected somehow. And somehow we keep each other living and breathing through, through the poetry, through the sometimes weak, non-existent, very frail desire to get up another day and figure out what it's about this living thing, you know, this existing thing, this breathing thing, this love thing, this job shit, this, <laughs> this working stuff, this passion, this, what does it mean to be alive in this dance age? And I'm navigating in it and I, and I want you to, you to join me as uh, we go about this journey. And so this is definitely interactive. Like, I would love for you guys to chime in. Send me messages. I would love to do an ask jam session where you just ask me questions or I ask you questions. Shit, I might bring somebody on as a guest. But I would love for this to be interactive. And um, I'm really just finding my way. I'm really just figuring out what's important to me. And I hope that... 
as this podcast goes on for this season that you find what's important to you. And as someone who has struggled for years and years and years and years and years, okay, with uh, depression that I believe filtered into my self-confidence, okay? Because I think it's one thing to be... um, to have low self-esteem, uh, I think there's a big difference between low self-esteem and insecurity. Low self-esteem usually relates to someone's view of like their physical features. And I could be wrong, but I, I'm just saying like low self-esteem, when you think of that, you think someone is has low confidence because of how they view their physical selves. But insecurity is... It's a little deeper, you know, uh, you're insecure. Something is not stable. The, the, the table is not secure. There is an insecurity. There is an instability. And instability can come not just from, like, not feeling cute or attractive, but if you grew up in a broken home, like, you, you may have a fear or an insecurity about how to operate as a wife. If you've never seen what it looks like to be a wife, you may have fear or insecurity, something unstable when it comes to not knowing how to be a mother. If if you don't have a mother, if you're, you lost your mother, if you didn't have the greatest relationship with your mother or your father, um, or if you grew up in poverty, right, you may be insecure about your money. You may lack security about knowing how to deal with your funds because you never really had money growing up. You don't know what it's like to manage a large amount of money. Like there are so many different forms of insecurity and how it manifests in our lives and um, how it changes our idea of worthiness and whether or not we are worthy of these things now that we are adults. You know, you may not fully comprehend your own autonomy because you're so used to being dependent upon a broken system or a broken family. And so... um I'm not a therapist (laughs) and I'm not a psychiatrist at all by any means. So, oh, I shouldn't have did that in a mic, sorry. I'm not qualified to give advice, but I can give testimony. I still think that there's power in sharing and um, I want to share with you all because I think that there are people who can relate to me. And I hope to do it in a beautiful, fun way of storytelling and poetry writing. So I'm not going to continue on rambling, but this is orientation for the Poetry Club. And after all that I've said, okay, because I talked a whole lot, if you're still listening, okay, if you have not clicked off and decided, bitch, you talking too much, I hope you didn't listen to Meg Thee Stallion, Meg Thee Stallion. If you are listening to Meg The Stallion right now and you decided to click off my podcast, actually, I don't blame you. But still, if you listen to all this, first of all, I fuck with you. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. You make I'm blushing right now. Oh my God. I'm cheesing so hard. Like you really listen to the whole thing. Oh, okay. Um, if you listen to this whole thing, I hope that you feel like, okay, you know what? I'm rocking with you. And if you listen to this whole thing and you're like, you know what? It's not for me. I completely understand. The Poetry Club isn't for everybody. Poetry is a niche, very niche, niche place to be. So I get it. If you like, girl, I'm going to follow you on Instagram, but I ain't listen to the podcast. I get it. It's cool. It's great. It's all good. I still love you. But for those of you who are listening and you've made it through orientation, congratulations. You get your hall pass signed. I am signing your hall pass. I'm putting a stamp on it. You do not have to deal with in-school suspension. And you are officially a member of the team. Welcome to the Poetry Club. Members only.